Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to episode 29 of Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's get right into Welcome to My Mind Mayor. Uh, This week I want to touch a little bit on love. Valentine's Day was a few days ago. What did you do for your love? I wanted to do something different this year, so I got my wife a gold-dipped rose. It'll last forever. It's covered in, uh, I believe it's 14 karat gold, and it's a real rose, and it's just really kind of a cool thing. Um, I've never been a flower person. I, I don't want to get them, and I rarely ever give them. I, I hate spending money on something that's going to die in a week. Now, I'm lucky as my wife is not one who's big into superficial things, and that makes it life easier. You know, but these, these roses, they just kind of caught my attention, and so I went out, found one, and, uh, you know, we'll see what she thinks of it. Um, I hope you did something nice for the special someone in your life, and that they did something special for you. And now on a completely different topic in this episode, zombies. That's right, the living dead. So what is it about zombies that has got the entire world up in arms? I know for me personally, it's all about the creepiness factor. They, they're dead. They're alive. They have an unrelenting want of human brain matter, yet they never get smarter. They are, they are hard to kill without a kill shot to the head. And remember, always double tap just to make sure. Why do they crave human flesh? Why is their hunger unrelenting? Can they play roller derby? That would be a kick-ass thing to watch. Not sure why this is on my mind in an episode where I'm also talking about love, but hey, there you go. So this was a really quick welcome to my mind, Mayor, this week. So that's going to give us more time to talk to our guest. Um, I've known my next, next guest for, uh, for a few years now. Uh, we met at his coffee shop when he opened in town. We collaborated on bringing board game and role-playing games to his coffee house pretty much every summer since then. Thomas Belanja. Tom, tell everyone about yourself and your life in five minutes or less. Go. Really? Five minutes or less? No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Tom Belanja. I uh, uh, own Bigby Coffee here in Wausau, Rebound, Marshfield. Uh, that's my uh, day job to fuel my obsessions of gaming and video games and movies and all that fun jazz that we all like. Um, born and raised in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Went to the University of Wisconsin Parkside. I have three degrees that I don't use. Um, I uh, traveled all over the U.S. working for different companies and taking care of different truck stops and doing all sorts of interesting things before choosing to move here to Wausau, Wisconsin and open up a coffee shop. What was in your mind when you chose to move to Wausau? Well, it's really it's really funny. My wife is uh, Anna Belanja, who I love dearly since we were, you were opening up talking about love. Uh, I'll make sure I mention her and that I love her and that she's beautiful because she just went today and got a uh, a tattoo of a wedding ring on her hand to match mine because oh, okay. she got tired of me making fun of her for, uh, as I kept telling her, to uh, only being married to me in pen and paper. Oh, okay. So, now she's married to you in ink, ink and flesh. Exactly. So, it also evidently goes along with the zombie thing there. I guess, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so her family's from Minnesota, my family's from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and my dad lives here in Wausau. Okay. So it was about four hours from each of us, so we were like, great, let's go visit. And, and the went. best the best part about that is nobody just shows up on accident. Oh my God, that's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like mom or dad can just show up instantly at the house. Right. They got to let you know they're coming, because otherwise it's a four-hour wasted drive if you're not home. Correct, yeah. So it's like the perfect short distance just long enough not to have anybody just randomly show up. Yeah, you know, we kind of went for that idea, too, and then we ended up back in Wausau, which is where <laughs> I was born and raised. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. But anyway, let's jump into Today in History, and we'll come back to you. Okay. So, February 17th. I'm sorry, I have a typo here. February 17th, 
1947, Voice of America begins broadcast to Russia. With the words, hello, this is New York calling, the U.S. Voice of America begins its first radio broadcast in the Soviet Union. The Voice of America effort was an important part of America's propaganda campaign against the Soviet Union during the Cold War. The VOA began in 1942 as a radio program designed to explain America's policies during World War II and to bolster the morale of its allies throughout Europe, Asia, and the Middle East, and Africa. After the war, VOA continued as a part of America's Cold War propaganda arsenal and was primarily directed, primarily directed toward the Western European audience. In February 1947, VOA began its first Russian-language broadcast into the Soviet Union. The initial broadcast explained that VOA was going to give listeners in the USSR a picture of life in America. News stories, human interest features, and music comprised the bulk of the programming. The purpose was to give the Russian audience the pure and unadulterated truth about life outside of the USSR. Voice of America hoped that this would broaden the basis of understanding and friendship between the Russian and the American people. By and large, the first program was, fairly, was a fairly dry affair. Much of it dealt with brief summaries of current events, discussions of how the U.S. budget and political system worked, and a rousing analysis of a new synthetic chemical substance called pyrobenzamine. Music on the program was eclectic, ranging from Turkey in the Straw to Cole Porter's Night and Day. In addition, due to bad weather and technical difficulties, the sound quality for the Russian audience was generally poor. According to the U.S. officials in the Soviet Union, Russians rated the program fair. VOA broadcast into Russia did improve somewhat over the years, primarily because music played an increasingly prominent role. U.S. observers had discovered that the Soviet people's appetite for American music, particularly jazz, was nearly insatiable. How many Russians actually ever heard the broadcast is uncertain, but reports from behind the Iron Curtain indicated that many VOA programs, specifically the music segments, were eagerly awaited each night. By the 1960s, VOA was broadcasting in every continent in several different languages. Today, VOA continues to operate bringing life in America to the world and with Radio Marty, which, aired, uh, which, which is aimed at communist Cuba, it continues its Cold War tradition. So there you go. A little, a little uh, Cold War history there. Um, I like to do these things just simply because history is something that we shouldn't forget. By forgetting history, we're bound to repeat it. So I would almost say doomed to repeat it. Yeah, you could say doomed to repeat it. Um, fair enough. So, um, all right, now it's time, Tom. This is the part of the show where you get to come out and tell us what we're talking about tonight. And then we're going to sit here and talk for the next half hour or so and give the people out there something interesting to listen to. See, so I was, I was trying to think of one topic for us to talk about, and I couldn't think of one topic so i've got just a myriad of different topics all right fair enough so, i i we've done that before where okay. we start on one topic and it just kind of expands and contracts and we tend to wander in this broadcast i kind of figured so <laughs> so if you want to go ahead and get us started where are we starting all right so a group of friends and i we were sitting in a bus ride for two and a half hours okay so we were having these random conversations and one of the topics i wanted to get your opinion on because we ran through the myriad of lists of different things that we could come up with. And I okay. want to see if I'm just going to get somebody from outside of my inner circle of dorks okay. uh, in our conversation <laughs> here. So we're going to go with a straight out hard question. Who is Ray's parents? Going with Star Wars. Episode 8 rumors are starting to come out. Okay. Now my thought after watching the movie and knowing the way that, um, uh, you know, uh, George writes is... I think somehow it's going to be tied into the whole Skywalker family. My first initial thought was that she is the daughter of Luke. Okay, just because at the very end, even though there's no words spoken between the two actors and, and, and the two characters in the movie, there was a connection there. I mean, it was obvious to anybody that watched the movie more than once, which would be this guy over here. Um, <laughs> which is funny considering, you know, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I came to the conclusion that they could have put any name on that. It was such a good sci-fi flick that they could have put any name they wanted on it. And I would have probably watched it more than once. Oh yeah. So, um, my initial thought was that she was the daughter of Luke, but then 
like everybody else, reading stuff online and that kind of stuff. The other, the other one that makes sense to me is that she is also, she may be the daughter of Leia and Han. So those are my two options. What did you guys come up with? What? Well, see, now we came up with with a couple of different ones that we we went off of. See, my personal as a like, I think this would be so cool is that she is the granddaughter of Obi Wan Kenobi. That while Obi-Wan was in hiding on Tatooine, he wound up having a mistress who he had a child with, and then that child gave birth to Rey, which would explain why she heard both old Obi-Wan and young Obi-Wan's voice okay. when she was touching Luke's lightsaber, who Obi-Wan had had for so long while Luke grew up. Right. Okay, I can see so that. So there's some kind of yeah. connection there. So I thought that was a really cool kind of theory. Then somebody else came up with the idea... Well, what if she's not Luke's daughter, but she's actually Luke's father? Now, that sounds just insane, doesn't it? So you're it? saying like a reincarnation of she Darth Vader? She is the reincarnation of Anakin, who's the reincarnation of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, since he's the one, the chosen one, where it says in all the legends that this one would come back in and time bring of balance to the Force and, and bring balance back to the Force, which okay. is always misinterpreted which Anakin did do because there were two Sith and two two Jedi. Right. He brought balance. You just you were misunderstanding. You were thinking it was all in the good. Well, right. I mean, because that's just yeah. that's just human nature. When you say there's going to bring balance, you always think, oh, for the good. But it doesn't have to be balance. No. Balance does it's not just equal. Does not know good or evil. Exactly. So we thought then the person who brought this up in this topic conversation, which was so randomly awesome. Was like, well, what if she's actually the reincarnation? So that lightsaber came to her, not because she was Luke's kid, but that she's the fatherless reincarnation of the one that the Force just brought and willed into being, just like Anakin. Well, the only problem with that is she talks about her parents in the movie. She talks about, about her, her parents... Mom. Well, no, I, I, doesn't she talk about her she parents she's waiting, waiting for them? Her waiting for her parents to come back. What if it's adoptive parents? Because Luke could have thought that, you know, yeah. Leia thought that her parents were so, you know. Right. Uh, In fact, up to up to where we are now, I mean, with with eight being shot before the untimely death of. Uh, so sad. Yeah, but but before the untimely death of uh, Carrie Fisher, um, you know, we'll we'll get more backstory, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that that one actually hadn't crossed my mind. Um, I, I kind of like that one, and it makes sense. Which would then, in turn, would that make that her lightsaber? Because correct, because that was Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, that was Anakin's. Right. Before oh, he became Vader. Right, right. That so is. So wouldn't uh, that be interesting? Wouldn't that be kind of wild? That I mean, be... that might be too far out there for most audience members, but for, for fanboys and geeks, they would be sitting on the edge of the seat going, what? Well, right, but I think that's almost too far for the way that uh, George Lucas writes. And I mean, even yeah, though... I remember, Lucas isn't the one writing the I anymore. know, Lucas, but, he, but the idea is Lucas's. And remember, he hated Seven. Well, you know, but when you, when you sell your franchise for billions of dollars, sit down, shut the fuck up. I, I can absolutely agree with that. That uh, he de yeah he definitely needed to to take more of a backseat than coming out before the movie came out, and then beat every one of his movies that he ever right did. and uh, you know and honestly of all seven now that's probably my favorite I mean the originals have that special place in everybody's heart oh yeah even though I'm not a huge Star Wars fan yes I've seen them yes I've watched them all multiple times it's just I don't sit down and watch them you know. Every year or every, you know, whatever. There's there's people that have, you know, they, they're like, I watch it. I have a buddy. Every six months, he watches the the trilogy, you know, uh, the original. On my birthday. Okay, see, you do yeah. it every year on your birthday. Yeah, I'd have trained my six-year-old daughter to be a Star Wars nut just like myself. And and that's great. And, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a Star Trek guy. Yeah. Which is, you know. Which is where my dad is, which I always think is funny. My dad is Star Trek and I'm Star Wars. Well, you know that it's that rebellion, that yeah, the yeah, rebellion like, gene yeah. in you. <laughs> That's so, strong in this one, right? You know, and and it's not that they're bad movies or anything like that. It's just when I was a kid, and this might have something to do with it. My mother was a Star Trek fan. Yeah. So we watched a lot of Star Trek. We watched the movies. We watched, you know, the shows when they were around and that kind of stuff. 
I, I mean, I remember being real young watching the original series on reruns, you know? Yeah. My dad always used to say, my dad, and still to this day, still tells me that uh, he likes Star Trek more because it's more based in science. Neither of those and shows I, are based in and science, And I always have really. to laugh at him and be like, yeah, teleporters, totally science, right? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, there are certain things that, well, in both Star Wars and Star Trek, that they they thought of before they became reality. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, basically... Tablets. What's it? Yeah, tablets. The tablets are completely from Star uh, Trek next generation. Tablets. You got the, even the communicators, which are mm-hmm. basically cell phones. Correct. You know, and it's it's all these things come out of sci-fi. I will give people that, but in reality, none of this is based in real science. It's based in theorized science. Correct. Yeah. The so, whole all the ideas for these things come together there, and I think it's more he he doesn't like the force. And that mysticism thing to it, and I like that. I like that. Well, game. now then, here's my question, and just this pops into my head every time somebody goes, "Oh, I don't like the Force." Is your dad religious in any way? No. Okay, because a lot of times I find that people that are like, "I don't like the Force," if you really dig down into it, they're usually quite religious. Yeah. And then they're like, "Well, that steps on Jesus's toes," and I'm like, "No, it's a movie. <laughs> it's make believe. These are aliens a right. long time and, ago." And you know, re- regardless of your religious path if you believe in god you can still look at something else and go it's make-believe yeah well that's why i think one of my favorite things about the harry potter series is that they actually took that and got the pope's blessing on it so that way people would finally kind of you know shut up right that's a story it's witches and warlocks and it's 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 a story it's about overcoming evil and whether it's an institutionalized evil or an oppressive authoritarian evil it's an evil and it's about good people overcoming those evils and that you shouldn't always treat children just like they're children because right let's be honest the whole reason harry potter gets into all these different troubles and adventures is because nobody takes him seriously nobody tells him shit no no they're always constantly hiding stuff from him oh we can't tell harry that He's only fought a dragon, but he can't know that his dad was kind of a schmuck in school. Right, right. Really? Or, 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 you know, he only defeated, you know, Voldemort as a as a first year. Yeah. He yeah. obviously doesn't have the power to deal with this. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely not. You know, it's ridiculous to think that we could possibly let a child and understand these things. <laughs> right. So now that, um, now that you brought up Harry Potter, let's talk Harry Potter for oh, a second. Okay. Now, Harry Potter... I love asking this question when people bring up Harry Potter is who's the hero of Harry Potter of the the series, whether book or movie, it ends up being the same in my opinion. Who's the hero of Harry Potter? Who's the real hero? I'm already ruling out Harry Potter because that would be too easy. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's a mediocre student who gets constantly put into terrible situations. And he has so much help on every one of those things. On every one of those things, until the final movie, in the final time when he finally beats Voldemort. Right. It's, it's basically everybody's helped him along the way. Um, so you could go with, you could say the, the most heroic person is Hermione. Because okay. she sacrifices her family in the end so that they don't even remember her to possibly go off and die. If you've read the books, not just the movies, you know about her struggles for the oppressed. Uh, house elves. In the house elves. Yeah, yeah. What is it? SP something or other. Oh, God. I can't even remember. It's been so long since I've actually read the books. Yeah. That, but but um, she, she raises yeah. up these issues and she does those things. Uh, she's one of the, the smartest, uh, most knowledgeable, yet sweetest and nicest uh, uh, magic users that you're going to find in the entire series. And by seventh year, pretty damn hot, too. Well, I mean, and everything <laughs> after that, she, you know. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Um, or do you go with someone who is like the silent hero of Neville Longbottom, who could have been Harry Potter? You know, if you go back to the beginning, the only reason, because Neville is born about the same time as right. Harry Potter. He's the same age. He's the same age, same parents, same, same everything. It's just Voldemort chooses Harry is the one of the prophecy because Harry has a muggle. Right. And, and because of the initial attack that he survived from Voldemort, by that, Harry became... Well, that's 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 his... Choose Voldemort's choosing and forcing it right. upon him. Right, but because of, that, because of that reversed curse and then Harry, 
which it took me a while to catch this, even in the books. Harry was actually one of the Horcruxes, which is why he had yeah. to die in the... Supposedly had to die in the... In the forest. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he came back, so... Yeah. Um, but in the weirdest, most Matrix-like scene I have ever seen, it was like, wait, did you just... Did you just phone that one in? Yeah. Did you just copy the scene from The Matrix and you're like, I really like this, so let's sit down in a train station. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, 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 I, I totally get you there. <laughs> but this is my argument, that the hero of the Harry Potter book slash movie series is Severus Snape. Yeah, he's absolutely the, the least understood until the, the seventh Until the very book. end. <laughs> Um, until the very end, you know, with his statement of always um, uh, understanding that his love of Harry's mother, of Harry's mother, that that has been that brought him back from being a Death Eater, that kept him connected to the school, that forced him to try and look out for, her, even though he absolutely hated and treated him like dirt. Well, and he hated him, treated him like dirt because he looked just like his father. Who except hated, for his eyes. Except for his eyes. He had Lily's eyes. Yes. But looked just like his father, and Severus had such hate for James. Yes. That seeing a mini James didn't help at all. No. No. <laughs> but this is again one of the one of those things where you know the the forgotten thing for the story, uh, the forgotten moral here is if any of these schmucks had ever talked to each other. Like, honestly sat down. There have been three books. Yeah, it would have been two books. I mean, like, they could have told Harry all of these things, all of these terrible secrets. Hey, by the way, this snake guy, this horrible, evil, bad wizard dude is going to try and come and kill you. But don't worry, if he touches you, he dies. So let him touch you. Yeah, Like, right. go hug the guy if you see him. And by the way, you know, these people are really looking out for you because he's in love with you. He's in love with your mom and his love for her will help to protect you. And oh, by the way, you have to live with these horrible, evil in-laws <laughs> who treat you like dirt because it's the only way that the magic can continue. But one thing they don't, <sighs> they don't show in the movie that they discuss in the book is the reason Harry lives with them is because before, before they ever dropped Harry off, um, uh, the headmaster, uh, Dumbledore? Dumbledore goes and talks to the si to the sister. Yeah. And says, we need you to do this in order to save, you know, in order for Harry not to die, he needs to be with family. And she begrudgingly did it, but she did it out of love for her sister, which then right. carried over the, the protection from Lily into that horrible, horrible woman. Yeah. You know? And they don't touch at that at all in the movies, which kind of irritated me in the beginning until I made the distinction that there is a series of books and then there's a series of movies that are loosely based on a series of books. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, like, if they put in all of the things. Oh, my but, God. Okay, well, wait, then then if you're, if you're wondering, okay, who is the best hero in the series, who is the truly the most evil person in Harry Potter? Voldemort. Wrong. That damn teacher. Yes. <laughs> What's her name? Yes, uh, the pink lady. Yeah. She is the most evil person because Voldemort is evil because he believes that wizards are superior to muggles and anybody who doesn't believe that is an enemy of his. Right. He has a philosophical stance that says this is what he believes. He's good to his people. He's pretty terrible to everybody else and anybody who gets in his way, right? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So Snape goes bad, but then comes back to good. Um, the Malfoys, well, they're pricks and rich and jerks. Right. And, and, and they're and pretty pure terrible. Bloods. And purebloods. Pretty, pretty racist, pretty this, pretty bad. Yeah. But they're not out trying to really torment somebody. So then you wind up getting down to who I think are the two most evil characters. The pink lady teacher, well, I'm going to forget her name. Her name is... Uh, uh, uh... Yes. Oh, I just had it. There you go. Son of a bitch. And Bellatrix Lestrange. Those are probably oh. the two most evil ones. Umbridge. Bellatrix, yes. Umbridge. Umbridge, Umbridge and Bellatrix. Because those are the ones who take personal joy in torture and hurting other people. That's true. Umbridge sits and torments children with a pen <laughs> that cuts into their skin. Yeah. And yep. she makes them write the sentence over and over and over Until again. Until it scars. Until it scars into their skin that's there for years later. And she sits on a throne, drinking her tea, listening to her terrible cats 
meow in the background <laughs> as she vindictively and torn that in in any one of the books there was only one person like Voldemort's a bad guy yeah but I absolutely. never went once went oh my god I cannot wait for them to finally kill this guy he's so evil he must die <laughs> I was so mad at the end of the books when Bellatrix and Umbridge are still alive but they're those are yeah they but in the movie they killed Bellatrix you're right in the but book in they, the they books, didn't they didn't they're both still alive at the end you're right how are you gonna let I mean like it is one of the laziest pieces of writing in the entire series that the two most vile most repulsive inhuman vindictive torturing vile people still alive no i get you i yeah. and i totally agree with you i had forgotten that in the books they're still alive and umbridge yeah. lives through the movies but she ends up don't the, the centaurs take her off well yeah they they, they, they the centaurs are supposed to have taken her off and really pummeled the ever-living crap out of her because she's been pretty terrible to everybody yeah but they didn't kill her no they didn't kill her they beat her up and then they took her back to the ministry of magic and turned her in right and that's kind of where her story kind of ends until voldemort takes over and then she slightly mentioned no punishment ever stated of what's really happened to her right other than she, you know the um uh, jk talks about afterwards she says oh yeah then this had happened then this had happened in, in her twitter right and you know talking my, my daughter could talk about this i never really got into the the stuff afterwards it's like oh uh, dumbledore's gay well so what you know and this character this that you know and they i mean they had that little flash at the end of the movie you know like 12 years later or whatever, you know, everybody's married and has kids. and Okay, but 12 years later, how are the Malfoys still have enough influence to send a kid off to Hogwarts? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm sorry, you know, I understand that he, you know, he lied. And he said Harry was dead. And then they ran away from the Death Eaters. I'm sorry, but a Nazi collaborator is still a Nazi collaborator. Okay, I, I, I don't I, know if I, I would go that far. What? How are you not going to go that far? Both of his parents were Death Eaters. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so shouldn't that family be stopped from practicing magic? Well, the the, the parents, yes, but... The kid went to go kill Dumbledore. He was but he too, couldn't do it. He was too, I'm sorry. Okay, so he's a failed Nazi collaborator. <laughs> You're still... You, you, you figured out a way to break into Hogwarts around it. You let in a whole bunch... You went in a werewolf, evil witches, people who were there to do harm. You led to the overthrow of the Ministry of Magic and the fall of the Hogwarts as a school where other teachers were then allowed to torture children. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm I, hearing you. Yeah. How are you still allowed to send your kid to Hogwarts? I mean, I'm all for peace and forgiveness, but not forgetting. Okay, fair enough. And, you know... I mean, at least maybe a generation or two should be stopped from allowed <laughs> to be... You don't get any wants. I'm sorry. It sucks, but you got to pay back, you know, society for having destroyed it. Yeah, no, I get you. I, you know, I... I I don't even know where to go with this right now. But yeah, I guess the way the way you're laying it out there, yeah, I can see Nazi collaborators. Yeah. Okay. Cuz I mean, I mean, if you if you take a look break down to it, it really just breaks down to it's a story of Nazis. Right. versus everybody else. Well, if you want to break it down that way, you got the Nazis, which are the purebloods. Mm -hmm. You've got the uh, the the Jews who yeah. are the uh, the blood yeah the, the muggles muggles mud bloods mostly I yeah. mean that's yeah. who they're really after yeah, yeah. Um, but it, and it's funny because you find out that certain people in Voldemort's employ as in Hitler's yeah were half bloods well Voldemort himself is a half blood is a half blood yep just like Hitler Hitler was Jewish I mean, to a certain point she literally copied uh, a point in time in history. Yeah. You know, because what are Death Eaters? SS? S, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're even like, they're dressed up like it. They run around. They, so they what torment would, people. So what would that make the uh, the floaty guys, uh, the, the the life suckers? Would that be, oh, you well, know what I'm talking know. about? You they'd, know. Be, they'd be the Blitzkrieg? The Blitzkrieg? Yeah. Or yeah. would that be your, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Would that be your Gestapo? There you go. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's our enforcers. I mean, or was that Italy? I mean, like, you know, I suppose it could be. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ally that's not very useful, in, except for in certain circumstances. Right. So, all so. right. So, uh, what, uh, where, where do we go next?
You've got me. What, okay. what, what, what's the next nerd topic we're going to talk about? Nerd topic. Okay, so I have to thank you and Evercon because you have given me a new addiction. Okay, I know where you're okay. going with this, but okay. go ahead. Um, so I was at Evercon, and 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 uh, I had one of the best experiences I have ever had at a convention and with a group of people who are working at a convention. Because you go to a lot of these conventions, and you can play a game, and you get a little taste, and then you go off, and and sometimes right. you get feel, felt included, or sometimes you feel like, yeah. There can be, and I, I, you know, and I've me. been to a lot of conventions where there are a certain portion of the number of people there that are very elitist. Correct. They are part of their little group, and even though they might be running a game, if you infringe on that, you kind of get the cold shoulder. You get the feeling of you're not wanted. You're not wanted, and yeah. that does happen, and the bigger the con, the bigger the chances are on that. But with Evercon, which um, was just last month, that feeling has never really been there. And when the group you're talking about, Lost Hope, came in, this is the first year we had them in, and wow. I yeah. mean... Yeah, this... Uh, anybody who doesn't know, you should go on your computer right now, look up Last Hope LARP. Uh, it was awesome. This is a group of people who get together to do a live action role-playing LARP. Right. Um, and it's a full immersion. So you got to come dressed for the part. You need to have a foam padded weapon, some foam shield, a tabard, uh, some clothes. Yeah. You, you want to be fully decked out and they have stuff for you to use when we were learning how to do this. And, and now I'm putting together a collection for myself because this group of people was amazing. Like, they took us in, showed us what to do. They give you a quick little seminar on how to do it safely, how to how to swing, how to hit. It's it's done with the idea that you're going to get hit. You're going to take a medium level hit. Right. But it's not going to be like to the head. It's not going to be to the groin. It's it's going to be well done, um, and it's going to be done safely. But you're going to feel it. Like right. I went home with bruises. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I got beat up by a girl. Michelle, if you're listening to this, thank you very much. Um, she beat me up. It was awesome. Uh, and so did Sadie. She's meaner, though. Sadie's mean. Remember that, Sadie. Um, they took me in and showed me how to play it, and I had one of the funnest experiences at a, at a convention I've ever had in my whole life. And then I went to one of their practices down in Baraboo a couple weeks ago. Okay. Oh, my God, it was so cool. Um, and then I went to an event, and I got to play – a Mordok, which is a like a an orc. It's a black orc. It's a black orc. Yeah, hunched over, running around the side of the woods. I got to terrorize. There were eight of us playing orcs. Okay. And we got to terrorize thirty some players who were trying to run around. And this is in the woods, okay? And in January in the woods, and it was foggy, so it was creepy. Nice. And it was like there's snow and there's trails and everything, and we were running around inside the woods. And uh, my favorite, favorite moment is we've been chasing them around and there's this big bend around the woods. Okay. And I realized that they're about to go around this corner. So I ducked through the woods in my full, I mean, I'm dressed up. I got a face mask on. I've got garb on. I got a big giant weapon. I go sneaking my butt through the woods to get around them. Okay. And get all the way to the other side. And I wait till as they're about halfway past. And I jump out in the middle of this whole group of, of PCs who are just okay. trying to get out of the woods alive. <laughs> right, right. The orcs have come. Let's, we've got to flee. I jumped out in the middle of them, freaked them out. People fell down. The whole group scattered. All the orcs started attacking people. We took out some of the PCs and then chased them out of our woods. Nice. It was one of the most fun amazing things uh, I have done in a LARP kind of setting. And I've done, I've done a lot of LARPs. I've done a lot of these kind of role-playing games. It's, it's kind of my bread and butter. I love it. This was one of the funnest events I have ever been to in my life. And then immediately afterwards, we all went out for pizza and, and, and to have right. some drinks. And everybody was like, seriously, some of the nicest people you will ever meet in your life and completely inclusive answered every dorky, dumb question. I'm sure they've answered a million times for anybody who's a newbie. And really walked me through the steps. So I have to say thank you for helping to introduce me to Last Hope. 
And as a personal plug, we're trying to get a group started here in Wausau. I know. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So uh, we've got, almost got enough people to do it. We're looking for a location so we can have some indoor practices till springtime hits, and then we can do some outdoor practices, and it is going to be awesome. You mean we can't we can't practice at one of your shops? We just push everything to the side. Need a little bit more space. Well, uh, like in Baraboo, they do it in a high school or in a junior high school gym. Okay. Um, with on the the wrestling mats, and we take up the whole gym, and there's like twenty some people who show up there, and it's well. Awesome. The the next time you go down to Baraboo, let me know, and if I'm free, I'm with you. All right. I that I looked really interesting now. Um, a lot of these people that listen to this know I was big into the planning portion of this, and I didn't get to do a whole lot during the weekend. But every time I walked by and I was talking to them, they, they were great. They were they're like, I mean, they let me shoot their bow and arrow, which was kind of cool. I was amazed that those that that arrow with that big ass thing on the end of oh, it yeah, actually, and it flies pretty damn yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, but they they've got a really good way of of setting them up, and they make them so that they're safe. They're blunted on the tip, so there's no like tip on the inside there. Right. And it's a nice big foam pad. So when it does hit you, you feel it, but it doesn't hurt. Right. And now, as an orc, I took several of those. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> now, I know uh, personally, I used to belong to a group called the SCA, yeah. which was also at Evercon. And, yeah. But they are more of a medieval reenactment group versus a LARP. Yeah. And when I did that, man, the, we used rattan swords and... My armor was made out of um, like a 50-gallon water barrel, okay. so it was plastic. Yeah. But, I mean, you would take hits, and I took a hit one time on the inside of my thigh. I had a bruise the entire from like my knee to my groin yeah. where I took the tip of this rattan sword. And, A, I'm too fucking old for that now. <laughs> and, B, you know, it's just like I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. But, you know, watching what these guys were doing and watching, you know, you guys go around and, and do stuff at the con, I was like, that's what I want to do. Because I can get hit by a foam sword and be like, okay, it might bruise me, but I'm not going to go home with a limp for a week and a half. Yeah, I, I was I was really amazed. So I went and did the um, – and it was a five-hour event that I was running around as this Mordok. Okay. Um, and I was amazed. Uh, and, and one of the things I really liked about it was that it was it, – they call it full immersion. Right. So us as the orcs, I mean, we had face paint on, we had uh, plastic masks on, and we kept them on the entire time. So that way, anytime somebody saw us, you weren't seeing a human, and we were acting out these parts. I watched as people, there were some other first-time players there, or first-time people that were doing these things. It was amazing to watch as you jump out at them. The physical reaction that people have is it's it's fairly terrifying. Well, because you know in the back of your head that that's a person under there, but you're so immersed into the into the storytelling that's going on yeah. that you're like, oh shit, an orc! Yeah, oh my god! And it was it was amazing to watch people panic as we were like, uh, there was a, at one point in time one of the other orc players and I and we came up and they have this big fort and it's this uh, fenced off area and it's an actual fort and there's there's fences in front of it and me and one of the other uh, Mordok, we went up and we were taunting them, trying to get them to come out at us because right. they had archers inside their fort. Okay. And it, you're getting hit with an arrow. just kind of sucks. So we didn't want to get hit with arrows. So we're trying to taunt them to come out at us and they wouldn't because they were protected by arrows, you know. Right. Makes smart. sense to me. So one of the other Mordok runs over to their fence and kicks it over. <laughs> and we weren't really expecting it to fall down like that and it just fell down. <laughs> and then to watch the players going, wait, can they do that? Can... Can a Mordok do that? Can they hit, knock our fence down? Which then made us laugh. Right. So we started role-playing the Mordok, these orcs who are taunting them, trying to get them, the bloodthirsty killers. Right. We found it so funny that we just started laughing. But we were laughing as orcs. So there's this whole group of orcs, orcs. out there. <laughs> and that actually made them come out and attack us. Because, like, they're laughing at us. We can't stand for that. We must go kill these Mordok. Oh, because... The, the orcs, we can sit there and shoot arrows at them yeah. until they laugh yeah. at us. If they poke fun at us, then we have to go get them. <laughs> so that was one of my uh, my second favorite moment was them actually finally going, we've got to kill them. They're <laughs> making fun of us. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, I personally am looking forward to this whole idea of doing a uh, Lost Hope LARP because – I've done LARP in the past. Um, I did a uh, I did a Vampire the Masquerade LARP years ago at, in Stevens Point at one of the conventions there. Oh yeah, and for decades. A lot of times, a lot of times with LARPs, if you're a newbie 
they don't really want to spend time getting you involved. Correct. Because they all started together. Yeah. You know, and they were newbies once, but they didn't realize they were newbies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so something like this where they seem to be very accommodating and very understanding that you're new to this, you know, that that really appeals to me. So well, and it's it's so great that the, the way they have it set up, the, Ryan, who, who created the game and I've, I've started to get to know who is kind of amazing at what he does. And Jeff, who's the, the like head story to story writing kind of guy. Um, and Michelle, who does a lot of the training and Sadie, who does a lot of the training, they do this out of passion and you can feel it. So when you're a new person and you come there to learn it, they want to take time to get you excited, as excited as they are. And as passionate as they are. And they spend it with you, and because that's their passion, is teaching this to people, and they've got the right people in the right roles, that it makes it kind of hard to not get addicted into it and to really just have a blast with it. So. That, 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 to me, is, is an amazing thing, and I can't wait to experience it for myself. I mean, just seeing the excitement you have, just sitting here talking about it, oh. makes me go, I want to do this! Yeah, you know, because you and I are a lot alike in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. So with that being said, it's like if you get excited about it, there's a pretty damn good chance that I'm going to get excited about it. You know, if you if you like um, if you like the idea of being able to to to, to be a different person, you know, to do role play. Oh, and who I mean, if I you shouldn't like, say who doesn't. Yeah. But if, if you like the idea of being able to, to go out and physically do these things. Because there's a learning curve because you got to learn how to do the fighting and how to do the protecting. Right. If you've got a passion for anything you want to be, they pretty much have a different way for you to be that thing, whether it's a healer or an archer or a, just a person who's there for commerce. Right. They have roles for all those different things because they're trying to make this a living, breathing event. Right. And there's at different points in time, I was talking to uh, Jeff uh, Mork who is one of the people who helps write the stories to this, um, he brings his kids. And that brings in another level of reality that in the town, there are some kids there. And that makes you have to play a little different. And that makes you have to think a little different. Right, because now you have to protect the future and not just yourself. Correct. You know, but I think it would be fun if they flipped that and they had a Mordok kid. I mean, because Orcs yeah, got to have kids they too. Do. They do. I wonder if... if, if uh, We'll be able to teach some of my kids to be some more docs. There you go. Mine are a little old for that, that, but I mean, but if you look around the room we're sitting in, yeah. I've got, you know, RPGs over there. I've got RPGs behind you. I've got board games. So, you know, does this fit my personality? I, I think so. Especially now, you know, that I've become more active over the last couple of years than I used to be. You know, yeah. it used to be just sit and play games on a table, but to this, I mean, on top of it, just sounding and looking cool as shit. It's exercise. Yeah. Well, and it, that's, God, I was running around in 40 some pounds of armor uh, at a practice event. And I mean, I worked up one heck of a sweat. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it, it was physically amazing to be able to do that. And there's, there's different levels for every, everybody. I don't want anybody to, anybody who's listening here to think, well, I'm small or I'm this or I'm that. And they can't do it because it, it, they have different levels. There's different things that you can do. Um, and it's whatever your personality, whatever your body type, whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can find a thing to do that in this as part of the group. And it has amazed me as the more people that I, I meet through this and what they've done. You know, uh, there's some people in there that are really kind of shy people. Mm -hmm. When they play a character, they don't have to be that level of shy. They get to be somebody else. They get to play somebody else. They get to experience something else. And it just brings them out of their shell. So I find it to just be such an overall a fascinating uh, 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 way of, of, of getting to interact with some other people that uh, I am so excited. I cannot wait till we can get a spot here to do it or for it to get warm enough where we can just go outside and do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean. Because I really want to take over Sylvan Hill and do because there's woods there there's hills there's an open area there's a big enough spot where we can take over uh, rent the place and and have practices outdoors right because it's a little easier if you're outdoors because you can breathe a little nicer when you get a little overheated right and and you would think that a place like sylvan hill you could even host like an actual you know session of this thing like where you went down to baraboo and or wherever you were playing in the woods you know and host yeah. something like that on on sylvan hill easily 
Yeah, there's uh, um, uh, there's there's places where they've they've got where they've they got it set up where there's ports and things like that for you to be able to go there and play, and it's uh, just amazing. So, excellent. All right, so that's three topics of nerdness. What's next? Do we want to talk about your passion? I know what your RPG oh, yeah. passion is. Yeah, what's my RPG passion? It's it's Werewolf. Well, of course. Okay. And then they're just coming out with a new set, too. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it. Do you know anything about it yet? I have uh, been a, a huge werewolf dork um, for forever. Um, and Mind's Eye Theater, which has been bought out and reshaped and changed, and they did a huge drive um, to really re-release come out really redo it because i, I don't I, I was very disappointed with what wife wolf the originators of vampire and werewolf right. and things and how when they ended everything how they ended it it was kind of it was kind half-assed. of messy it was yeah. half-assed and messy yeah it was like well we made this great game and it's pretty awesome and we know you all love it but now we must kill it all because we said there would be an end Really? Well, it doesn't have to be this week. You know, you can make the end later on. You know? <laughs> well, like, you know, they came out... Warhammer 40K has said that there's going to be an end all the humans, and it's been like 30, 40 years, and there's still no end of the humans. Right, and and with White Wolf, they had Old World of Darkness, and then they had some uh, uh, issues, uh, legal issues, with one of the writers going away or whatever, so then they brought out New World of Darkness, which is what yeah. I'm familiar with. I'm <laughs> not... <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not familiar with old world of darkness so for me new world of darkness which i know you're gonna puke but it's right over there on my on my uh book book burn area it, burn it with fire <laughs> but you know for me i like i like the core of the new world of darkness for the simple fact that you can play an effective human against the supernaturals which from what my understanding okay, is in old world of darkness you couldn't do that well that's a bunch of bs um, the, the, the old world of darkness, here's the scariest thing in the entire world of darkness. Okay. All right. Five guys with shotguns. Okay. Period. Okay. You're the biggest, most scary vampire. Okay. I have five guys with shotguns. You better run. And cause why? Because when you have five guys with shotguns shooting at you, no matter what you can do to one guy, four more guys are still shooting shotguns at you. Okay, okay, I can see that. It may not Five kill shotgun, you. It's pretty much going to kill you. You are going to get effed up. You are not going to have a good time. This is not going to be a fun event for you. This is going to be lots of pain and blood. Okay. okay? I have killed, as a storyteller, I have killed more dumb players with five guys with shotguns than any super bad, giant, evil bad guy I ever created. Okay. Because my, my understanding, like, it's, it's just the fact that they have so much firepower coming at you and five guys with shotguns pretty much wipes out anybody if you're a decent storyteller i mean unless you're planning on letting your players just roll you right five guys with shotguns who see you i mean if you sneak up on them you can kill five guys no problem but if they see you and they start shooting at you you're dead i don't care what powers you have i don't care what runaway you got you're either running or you die see and that was not the the way i was informed of how old world of darkness worked it was like Pretty much to humans, if you were a vampire or a werewolf or any of the other bevy of supernaturals, that humans really couldn't have an effect on you. A dumb human? No, wouldn't have an effect on you. A single lone human standing in the middle of the woods? No, you're dead. Okay? But against a werewolf, a single lone human should be dead. Right. Now, if you had any magical powers, if you rode up a hunter, if you if, if back when they had Old World Darkness and they had the hunters, mm-hmm. these are people that had slightly imbued with something. They were either slightly magical or they had some kind of mystical power or they had some kind of artifact that allowed them to do something. Okay. You could pretty much roll most brand new werewolves or most brand new vampires. Because the way they had it set up, depending on what generation of vampire you were, right. how far away you were from Cain, the original vampire. Right. You know, if you were a 13th generation. And that's where most players big. start, isn't it? Correct. Thir- 12th or 13th. 12th or 13th generation. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're talking pretty low And then level. you then you increase your generation by taking a vampire of a generation higher. 
Well, that's when you're not really supposed to. That's a bad thing. Well, that's yeah, but that's how you that's how you increase your generation. That's Sometimes how you incre- that's how increase your bloodline. Yeah, is what yeah. I'm, is my understanding. Yeah, like yeah. I said, you eat the guy who's more powerful than you. Right. Because he's dumb and he messed up and he went after five guys with shotguns and they really messed him up. And, and now he's like, laying there dying. Yeah, he's dying. So I'm gonna take advantage and take a step up. <laughs> You know, and like in Werewolf, it's it's what, you know, you're, you're a cub or, a, a, you know, whatever generation you are as you grow in power and stature. Right. That's how Werewolves did it. And I didn't like, um, I liked Old World of Darkness Werewolf because there was a lot of hatred and anger between the different tribes of werewolves. Okay. But in the end, you were still part of the same tribe. And if vampires to, came. And vampires, you were against them. You could go yep. kill those. That's great. They're bad. They're evil. Um, but as werewolves, you would fight amongst each other, but you weren't supposed to kill each other because you're like the last. You're, there's not many okay. of you left. In the vampires, it was like, hey, you know what? I don't like you, so I'm going to kill you. And, and I'll go make more. And I'll go make more. <laughs> you know? And it was always like you. it was every player against every player. And that wasn't – I mean, for some people, that's amazing. They love that. That wasn't my thing. I liked the fighting with players, but right. not killing them. Right, and I get and that. And that was where werewolf was. And, and when they made new World of Darkness – they took all of that away. They took a lot away. I, in just a small amount of research I've done between what I've done in New World of Darkness and, and what they use. I mean, the Black Hand is gone. Yeah. Um, there's, there's just all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't know if the tribe system is completely gone, but it's no longer. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's pack system, and your pack has this territory. The more right. people you have in your pack, and, the more territory you get. But if you get too big, then the rest of your pack wants to kill you. Right. And it was like, that's not the werewolf that we loved. And that's why New World of Darkness failed. Because they didn't keep what was the cores of the different games. Because Vampire was a very player versus player thing. Oh, yeah. And, and had, it, was it was very cutthroat. Yeah. It was very cutthroat. You were, you, maybe today you and I are best friends. And tomorrow I'm killing you to take all of your stuff. Or I'm stripping you of political power because you're going to become a threat to me. Right. And that's what it was supposed to be. And when they did New World, they kind of changed that. And it just didn't it didn't sit well with the players because you'd given us something that was awesome. It was broken and it was flawed and it was goofy and there were different things. But the heart of it was so pure that everybody loved it. Right. And you could play it where now when I run New World of Darkness, which isn't very often, but when I do, you play humans. Yeah. Because they're the only ones you can really control i mean you look at some of these books and it's just like they can do what yeah okay i guess um you know so uh you know i mean my bread and butter is also in the horror genre but it's not even world of darkness it's call of cthulhu oh yeah you know and, and that's my bread and butter because in call of cthulhu if you see anything that doesn't belong here run away because it's more powerful than you yeah you know. Well, and that's that's that's. I mean, like that's the cool thing with Call of Cthulhu. You know, your character is eventually going to go insane. Well, that's the whole point of that's playing, as far as I'm, as far exactly. as I can understand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's to go and see these crazy things and learn as much as you can before you're driven insane. Right, and and one of the things that I hated is I had a group once that they would they were taking outside knowledge of what Call of Cthulhu was. So it's be like. At one point, I just I wanted to test the theory. So they go into this house and they're you know they're they're ransacking the place looking for for information. It's really a it's a gumshoe. You're trying to find information to solve you know to stop the bad guy. And so I send them in there right, and there's all these books and there's this one very ornate book and they can't read it because nobody in the group speaks German or you know reads German or speaks German. So there's this big book and it's and it's very ornate and it's got gold you know edging and gold leafing on the pages and. Nobody will touch it. And I knew I had to stop playing with this group when they said, we're not going to pick it up and read it. It'll make us go insane. And I'm like, I'm going to lick the fucking thing because it's going to make me go insane. Because <laughs> that's the point. Right. And here's the here's the funniest part. You know what it was? What? It was a German Bible. There they just couldn't read it because it was in German. German. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never I never like it when... when when, you know, like I've, I've played, I played werewolf for, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, and it, it, you would always have to remind yourself whenever you would start a, a new character. And, and I played in, in some pretty heavy LARP situations with some major events and things like this. And I've played some pretty major characters that, that dominated on different things. But you always have to remember when you start a new character, 
you have to take it as a clean page. Right. You know, I, as the player, might know of all of this great, crazy stuff. But as a, but as character, a character, you have no clue. And that's and that's one of the things I, I, I like in a in a in a LARP game that where you, if you've got a good group of players and you, and you can keep that going whenever right. you've got somebody new. You know, as a player in any game, I, I'm a character builder. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what Chad knows. Hmm? It's what, you know, whatever my character. And not just what, what you know, but what you think. Right. You know, and I, I like it when people do dumb stuff in games. And I, as a storyteller and different things, I've rewarded people because they've done something dumb. Right. And there's literally, like, the player's going, I should not be doing this. Oh, I do that all but the time. this is what my character sees and thinks and how he would react. That's I do that all the time. Like, I had a character, um, we're playing a 5th edition game right now, where I'm actually playing, which is kind of nice. Weird. I know. Yeah. But I was playing a, um, a, a, a warlock. And as the group evolved, it's like, this character does not fit. So I said to the DM, I said, I'm going to retire this character. He's just going to disappear in the night. I'm going to make a new character. Okay. So I make a new character, right? And I come in, and they're they're all talking about what's going on, you know. And of course, with D and D, how do you become a part of the? You look trustworthy. Join us, you know, kind of thing. Which is, <laughs> I always hate that. And as a as a DM, I always try to like because really cut that have, off at the knees. Have you ever gone just gone like, hey, honey, let's go out to the bar, and then you're like, hey, that guy looks like a bloodthirsty thug. Let's invite him out with the kids. Right. <laughs> so you know, it, it was one of these things. So anyway, I'm in the group, right? And they're all talking like, we gotta go do this. And I'm like, why? You know, and they're like, you know why? And I'm like. No, I, why? And they're like, come on, Chad. I'm like, I'm not Chad. You know, George has no idea why the hell we're going to fight these people. Yeah. Explain it to my character. And then, they're, you know, and then some of the people in the group are like, oh, really? You, you want us? Wait, wait, you want us to role play? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's, those are my favorite experiences. Because, you know, uh, God, I, I'm Anna, my, my wife, Anna, and, and I are, are working on our characters for the last hope LARP because we're playing NPCs right now to, to build up right. series and do these things. And like the way we're looking at it, we've looked at what the rule books are. We've looked at what the different things are and we're making characters to fit into the world, into yeah. the world. And then we're f- figuring out the personalities that we want to play. And they're so different than what we are. Right. Because, because what fun is it to go play Tom? Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be Tom. I am Tom the rest of the damn day. Right. I am the boss at work. I'm the boss at work. I'm the dad at home. I'm yeah. the husband at home. Yeah. I'm out here in an area where I get to play and do whatever I want. I don't fucking want to be Tom. Yeah. I want to be, I want to take orders. I want to execute stuff. I want to run around in the woods. I want to be somebody else. Right. And I, and I love it when people grab those things and just run with it and go crazy. Like, I am so excited. Anna's working on a character where she's going to be political and talkative and, so not exercise, Anna. <laughs> exercise control and like be all this stuff. And that's not my wife. My wife is the most loving. If you get her in hot inside the house, she is queen and commander of the entire house. But you put her out in social situation. Anna is happy to sit in the corner and have a beer and have a quiet conversation. She would not be the first person to run out in the middle of the group and be like, hey, my name's Anna. I'm in charge out here. What's going on? Right. But right. she's writing a character to do that. And it's amazing. Well, you know, it's funny because if, if we jump back to the SCA where, where I created a character, now you'll find this funny, and anybody that knows me well will find this funny, I made a French aristocrat. Nice. I mean, how much unlike me can you get? Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> far. <laughs> but, you know, it was, and, and I will admit this, you know, everything we do comes from somewhere. We, we've seen something, we heard something, we read something. And my thing was... I had just gotten through the book Interview with the Vampire, and I love the character of Lestat. Ah. So that's why, you know, I kind of made my character around that. Obviously, yeah. he wasn't a vampire, because... Well, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, so, you know, yes, I steal, I, 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 I borrow things when I tell stories, I borrow things when I write, I borrow things... Well, look at like the greatest stories in the world. I mean, you, you know, we started out talking about Star Wars and Star Trek and Harry Potter. Right. Every one of the ideas from those things is stolen from somewhere in reality. If you break down, I, I took a college in class, one of my favorite classes I ever took, because it was also one of the dumbest classes you'll ever take, but the most thought-provoking one. Every class, you were 
we had to watch a, a, a Star Trek episode. Okay. And then write what political theory they were talking about in that episode. Okay. Because when you break Star Trek down, it's all really just political theory. Especially in the 60s, in, the, in that first run, in the original series. In the original series, it's all about politics. I mean, it comes down and to race it. race relations. Race and relations, the first interracial kiss on television i mean is between is between uh captain kirk Kirk. and a green lady yep and you know the here's here's the funny you want to want the great trivia question she was an orion by the way an orion green orion slave girl yes um for all of the dorks out there we're like screaming at us it's an orion slave girl yes it's an orion slave girl and then we're going to be wrong and somebody's going to correct you on this well you know that's that that would be great correct me yes if you're wrong (laughs) correct us please um and call us noobs because evidently we are. All right. Um, the original, they couldn't get that episode printed. Do you know why? No. Nobody told, because that was the, been the days when they had to add color in afterwards. Nobody told the guy doing the coloring that the girl was green. <laughs> so they kept getting it wrong because he kept trying to get her to be a white girl. Okay. And when they were adding in the color, it threw everybody else off. And the guy who did the original printing made like 40 prints of it all of the different colors in the rainbow and then finally <laughs> sent it to him. And they're like, Oh yeah, we forgot to tell you, she's supposed to be green. And the guy quit, just quit, walked out. Fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm the, what is supposed to be green table flipping, yeah. just rage, just, quit. just rage, Hulk rage and flipped over the table. But that's, that's one of the things when you, when you learn about all of these things, all of the greatest stories that we have, a retelling of something different. Star Wars is just space westerns. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at Cowboy Bebop, some great anime there. What is it? Star Trek. It's it's Star Wars. It's it's westerns told yeah. in space. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's about the lone person who's fighting against the horrible odds. It's about Nazis and authoritarianism and fascism or whatever it is. It's yeah. a retelling of it, just done in a different way to try and make you think about it, to get you to see it from a different perspective. Oh, absolutely. And that's what the best role-playing games really are all about. Oh, I agree. I mean, so. and, and if you have a, you know, whatever you want to call them, keeper, dungeon master, storyteller, whatever, whatever you know, the game calls them, mm-hmm. if you've got a good one, they can adjust on the fly to what's going on with the characters. Yep. Now, I've been told I'm good at this. I always feel like I'm stumbling over myself, but people are like, you're the greatest. We just throw shit at you, and you're like, all right, let's go. You know, but, and, and I don't know, I, if, when you when you storytell, if you have that same feeling, you're like, I feel like I'm stumbling over my feet. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Always. But, and, and maybe that's maybe that's the key to what a good uh, uh, storyteller is. You know, being able to think on your feet, even though it might not be exactly where you want it to be. Well, I think when you've got good players, when you feel like you're stumbling, they're filling in the blanks for you. And that, that's and they're trying great. to help you out because they want to have a good time with it, too. Right. You and know, if you've got a good player group like that that can throw you a bone, you know, yeah. throw me a friggin' bone here, it, it makes it even better. My guys will throw me bones. They throw me so many bones sometimes, it's just like, shut up! Everybody shut up! This is what happens, you know? <laughs> but all right, let's go ahead. Let's wrap this up. Uh, we'll jump out for a second. I'll come back to you in a second, Tom, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a night. How about that? All right. All right, so... My next week, my my guest um, actually is going to join us all the way from California, believe it or not. Um, his name is Todd Feigenbaum. He's uh, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for probably working on ten years, if not ten years at this point. Um, he used to live down in the Chicago area, moved out to California, and we've kept in touch. And I said, "Hey, man, you want to come do a podcast?" And he said, "What's it about?" And I said, "Anything you want it to be about." So he's like, yeah, I suppose so. And now he just had some health problems the last couple weeks, but uh, he thinks he'll still be able to make it next week, so that'll be awesome. Um, But then uh, let's jump into uh, quote of the day. So the quote today comes from Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, better known as Winston Churchill to those of us that uh, don't have all those English names. Uh, And it is, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. Now, he was a British statesman uh, who was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 1940 to 45, and again from 1951 to 1955. Churchill was also an officer in the British Navy, a non-academic historian, a writer, 
and an artist. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1953 for his overall lifetime body of work. In 1963, he was the first of only eight people to ever be made an honorary citizen of the United States, and he died in 1965 of a stroke. Now, in the little bit of research I did on him, holy crap, I did not know all that about Winston Churchill. I knew he was prime minister twice. Yeah. But I, you know, I kind of thought that was kind of it. But oh. uh, he was, uh, it sounds like he was quite the guy. And actually now this makes me want to go read more stuff about Churchill because I am a history dork on top of all the other kinds of dorks I am. Churchill is an amazing historical figure. He has some amazing quotes. He's a, uh, well, he's a, a British guy in the 19... 19- 20s and 40s right yeah um so he's slightly sexist um he, he likes a, cigars he likes cigars and he liked drinking and it was funny as i was reading this that before the war england the people of england really didn't like him all that much nope kind of despised him and after the war right is why he quit and then all yeah. of a sudden they went wait we really kind of need him and yeah. then they, they brought him back again but the reason i took this quote um you know, it, it kind of tells what life is about. Success is not final. You know, we all have successes in our life, but does that mean life ends? No, you continue on. And if you don't maintain that success, it goes away. I mean, being a business owner, you know that. Yeah. Um, I fail at more things than I succeed at. And that goes to the next one is failure is not fatal. Correct. You know, just because you fail, uh, I had a business that failed, but it doesn't stop me from living life or going on or thinking about doing something else. Absolutely. There's a, there's a great, I, I tell my, my kids this a lot. The only time you fail is when you fail to learn the lesson of the mistake or just flat out give up. Yeah. That's get knocked. My dad will tell me this, get knocked down nine times, get up 10. Right. And, and that ends this quote is, is it is the courage to continue that counts. It's when you give up completely that you fail. Correct. So with that, I'm going to say, Tom, thanks for coming in. We definitely have to do this again. Okay. I had a blast tonight. So, uh, you know, uh, until next time, people, you know, just uh, keep on keeping on.